blaring our podcast. Nothing is sweeter than SwiftCast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 120 of SwiftCast. This is Steph. And Haley. And we actually have a really great episode for you this week. Ashley is in Arizona right now for Taylor's show out there. Jealous. So jealous. And so for right now, it's just me and Haley. But for the main discussion, we're going to be talking about Wildest Dreams, where Ashley, Nate, Adam, and I talk about Taylor's newest single and what we think the video will be like and how much we love the tour performance. So stay tuned for that. But for right now, Haley and I want to give you all the updates on the news and fashion before we get into that. And speaking of how Ashley is at a cool concert, Haley also got to see a really awesome concert this past weekend. Yes, so Friday I actually got to go to the Shania Twain concert with my sister and my mom which was awesome. We were super nosebleeds. We were 300 level, very back, last row, no one behind us. It was crazy. Still amazing seats. But yeah, I saw Shania and I kind of wanted to go through kind of a compare and contrast really quick about Shania's concert versus Taylor's concert and some of the similarities I saw. And I don't know if these are things that multiple performers do but I saw a lot of similarities between the two. So my first one is, I know she's done this before and Taylor's done it, is going through the crowd. So Taylor got away from it this tour, but I saw something that I really think Taylor can utilize in future concerts is Shania actually had this kind of pexiglass, not really a box, but kind of like a carriage thing. It's pexiglass on the sides where she stands up in it and her security pushes her so she's able to stand sing and move at the same time so that way she can hug and high five everybody as she's going by oh wow and that really reminded me of red when she got carried on her dancer's shoulders that's cool so that was the first similarity that i saw the other one i saw is the use of an arm that swings around and out over the crowd so during red Taylor did that and she went all the way around. Shania did this, but she was more of it like in a horse saddle where she was sitting down and she was able to swing out, which was really cool. Yeah, I've seen photos of that. That looks pretty neat. It's so gorgeous, too. I got some really good photos that way. It looks a little dangerous. Does it have a big arm attached to it? Yeah, it's a big arm and then the saddle is all, it's basically all one piece. And then her feet basically get attached to the sides. Oh. In a way, she puts her feet in so it's like anchored that way instead of anchored on the waist. And that way she's sitting and she's not going to fall off that way. Either way, she won't fall off. That's cool. What I also liked is Shania came out through the floor to the crowd and she had a really big platform thing that I thought actually went so high up. It reminded me of B-Stage last tour where it really rose up really high. But it was just like this box platform she stood on and it went really high up. So you saw her on this platform for the first show and then it came back down. So those are a couple of the similarities I saw that I think either Shania saw some or, you know, things that I thought were really cool. 
sounds like it was an amazing show. It really was. She's a great performer. The energy of that show and Taylor's are basically on the same level. I think I told my mom when I was leaving, there are three top performers and no one else gets close to them. Top one is Taylor, then it's Shania, and then it's Ed Sheeran. I don't think anyone else I've ever seen live has had elements of their show and their performance and stage presence and everything and the um, energy of the crowd come across so great as those three did. Yeah, they're all amazing. So if you ever get the chance to see Shania, go for it. Do it. I think this is her last tour. She's, I think she's still going to stay in music, but she's not going to be touring anymore. Yeah. Sadly, I didn't get to go, but I still am sort of holding out hope that she'll come back someday. Well, next we have some of Taylor's older tweets for you, which is always a fun part of the show. And our first one is actually from August 13th, 2009, and Taylor tweeted, One million followers. E with a lot of exclamation points after it. But this is insane because here we are six years later and she has 62 million followers. (laughs) (laughs) One million seems like so long ago. So long ago. She was so excited. Well, our next one comes from August 9th of 2009 and she tweeted, Two of my best friends... The real Pickler, so Kelly Pickler, and Abigail came out and surprised me on stage tonight in Omaha. I won two Teen Choice Awards. Ah! (laughs) And this is very appropriate because tonight, as we're recording, Taylor won four Teen Choice Awards. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But she's still winning. Here we are six years later. (laughs) On August 10th, 2010, Taylor tweeted... Puttering around my place, reading cookbooks, and celebrating the fact that I'm no longer scared of the sound of my ice baker at night. And so this was when Taylor moved into her new apartment in Nashville way back in 2010, a few months before Speak Now was released, where we got Never Grow Up, and Taylor was in her new apartment. Oh man. It's crazy. It's so crazy. On August 9th of 2011, Taylor said, I can hear the Chicago crowd screaming through the walls of my dressing room, feeling very ready to play a show. Then, on August 13th, 2012, Taylor tweeted, So this web chat on YouTube tonight at 7 Eastern, 6 Central? If you watch it, you might hear something new. Which was, of course, we are never ever getting back together. Red era. Three years already. I can't believe how time flies. And lastly, Taylor said on August 11th of 2014, Thank you to Chef Jeannie at Ella's Fine Food and Drink for giving us the best and only cooking lesson. And it was a picture of her and Lord cooking. Well, next we have some really exciting news for you. There was a lot going on this week. So we're going to move right into Keeping Up with Swift. And our first piece of news is really exciting. So even though 1989 was released in 2014 and within just two months became the top-selling album of 2014, guess what? What? It's also the top-selling album of 2015 in the United States. Yay! So just since January, it has sold 1,463,000 copies and 
I really hope this continues and she ends up with 2015 as the top selling album again. That would be quite an achievement. That would be awesome. Earlier this week, Taylor went to Joe Jonas's surprise birthday party where she rapped Backstreet Freestyle. And while she was doing this, Calvin was at home cat sitting. <laughs> that was hilarious. He's there Snapchatting videos of the cats, and Taylor's just rapping and taking all these amazing photos. Looked like she had a blast. And I think Calvin had a lot of fun with the cats. Oh, well, looked like he's like, no, no, this is human food. <laughs> Loved it. The screen caps, especially of Olivia, were so adorable. <laughs> well, we always love it when Taylor gets a little bit sassy, especially if you listen to last week's episode, episode 119, where we talked a lot about the media sort of starting to go after Taylor again. And perfect example of that is what has been going on within the past week is a lot of media outlets have been reporting that Taylor is planning to buy a castle in Scotland near Calvin Harris. And so Taylor decided to strike back at the media and she tweeted, because baby, I could build a castle out of all the bricks they threw at me, a line from New Romantics, but I'm not actually buying a castle. And so that was genius. I love Sassy Swift. And it was so perfect because the song really is about the media and critics just throwing bricks at Taylor. And she's just taking them and building castles. She's not actually buying one. She can just build her own, you know? Exactly. In the last episode, we talked about how the difference between 2012, when the media was really going after Taylor, is she never really defended herself. She just took it in stride. And now, today, Taylor is just fighting back. And she will not take it. So it's good to see how confident she is. I think she had a strategy of, if I don't talk about it, it will go away kind of thing. Or if I don't fuel it, it will go away. And with her being more confident, I think she's being able to be more sassy and not let the media get to her as much as it used to. Yeah, it really is. I think that it was good that she didn't want to cause trouble and she just kept her mouth shut. But that can really eat away at you. And so I think she probably feels a lot better just calling the media out nowadays when she needs to. She can't call them out every day because every day there's a new ridiculous article about something Taylor's doing. But when she needs to, she just hits back and I think it's good. And I think that shows how much she's grown because I don't think it got to her as bad and that's why she could, you know, ignore it and not get online and search for herself to see what they're saying. And it shows that she's really grown and she's become a lot more confident in herself that she doesn't have to worry if she comes across a media outlet saying something crazy, it's not going to get to her. She's just better. Yeah, I am glad. Well, Taylor also tweeted this week a picture of Olivia. And it's so cute. It's a picture of Olivia kind of clinging to the back of one of her chairs. And she captioned it, you seem stressed. <laughs> That photo is just priceless. It must be exhausting to be so cute all the time. Her facial expression in this is also like, oh my god. <laughs> she does look stressed, but she also looks cute. Taylor's been very active on Twitter this week. 
Our other piece of news is that it was Cara Delevingne's birthday on August 12th, and Taylor tweeted, Happy birthday to the cheeky, charming Cara who lights up my life and regularly steals my phone and does this. And she included a photo of all these selfies Cara took of herself making weird faces and then her chest, and it was just a whole roll, practically, of all these crazy photos Cara took. I really want to see that video Taylor took of Meredith. Me too. Things we'll probably never see. I think that as soon as I saw the role there, I just wanted to see more. What else is on that camera roll? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, I need more of these. I want to see what else little snippets. Because yeah, I saw, you know, I saw Kara and everything. And then I was just like, okay, what other photos are on here? I guess that's why Taylor's so afraid of people hacking her and stealing her photos because people like us want to know, but it's probably mostly photos of Meredith and Olivia, which is why I really want to see them. That or photos she's stolen from fans online. (laughs) It's probably a ton of photos of us, which is hilarious. Well, sticking with the photos, Gigi posted a photo of Taylor, Kara, Carly, and Kendall. And it looked like Taylor was writing something on the floor on a piece of paper. So a fan asked her on Tumblr what she was doing, and she said, This was backstage at Hyde Park. We didn't have a sound check to walk them through their blocking, so I made a map of the stage with paper on the floor and demonstrated where they would be walking out using nail polish to represent each girl. (laughs) That was hilarious. I could just see her doing that. I'm like, okay, and... You know, Carly, you're purple, and Kendall, you're green. When I saw that photo, I thought she was painting Carly's toenails or something. I did too! I'm so glad she gave us an explanation there because I didn't know what was going on. Well, another piece of very exciting news this week is that The Rolling Stone magazine released a list of the 100 greatest songwriters. And Taylor's number 97, which in my opinion should be more like number one, but that's okay. But she is the youngest person on this list. And also there were only 16 females included on the list. So it's a huge accomplishment. It is really huge. And I guess for as young as she is, maybe she can't be number one yet. Maybe in 20 years, but... She's 25 and she's number 97. It's pretty great. Well, we have another piece of really big news. Shake It Off has reached 1 billion views. And this is before the one year anniversary of Shake It Off. Yes. We did it. And can you believe now Shake It Off and Blank Space both have 1 billion views? That's really exciting. And Bad Blood is well on its way. I think it's already in the 500 million. Something pretty high already. That's so exciting. So next task, Swifties, go refresh Bad Blood a million times so that we can get her to a billion for that video. And then we can start working on wildest dreams when we get a video. Well, Taylor has been known for having very exciting shows on the West Coast. and I'm always so sad that I'm not there. And Taylor was in Santa Clara this past weekend. And on August 14th, Taylor brought out Fifth Harmony as a special guest, and they sang Worth It together. She wore this amazing blue crop top and skirt outfit for I Know Places, 
and it actually matched what Fifth Harmony was wearing. And she said that she was borrowing this outfit from a friend, which was Camilla from Fifth Harmony. And not only that, but then on the B stage, she sang Should Have Said No as the secret song, which is really exciting. I haven't heard that song. Actually, I think I heard it on the Red Tour as a secret song, but I haven't heard it in a long time. So I was really excited for all the fans there. The Worth It performance was amazing. Taylor actually went and learned the choreography. So she's up there doing all the moves with them. And this was just, it seemed like the most insane response that fans have had to any guests so far on this whole tour. It seemed like fans were the most excited about this guest. Did you think that, Haley? I really did. And I know just from scrolling around on Tumblr, I know Fifth Harmony has an amazing, amazing fan base, which I believe we knew at some point with Taylor being as close as she is to them, that we knew they were going to, at some point, be a special guest. But I think this was totally worth it for them to sing Worth It together. (laughs) No pun there. We have been predicting this forever. In fact, we thought that Fifth Harmony was going to be the opener because I remember Andrea went to a show in Nashville and was there checking them out. So we were thinking they would maybe be the opener way before we knew anything about the tour. So this has been a long time coming and people were just so, so excited about it. It seemed like they did a great job and sales for the song have, of course, already increased. And so many gifs from it. Love it. Amazing ones. Taylor had a second show in Santa Clara. And at this show, she actually had Julia Roberts and Joan Bays walk the runway during style. So that was an amazing thing. My mom actually called me and was like, oh my God, did you see who walked the runway? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, no, mom, I didn't. (laughs) And what I loved and what everybody else loved was they were both wearing Taylor shirts. That was amazing. It was so cute. And I was like, hey, Julia Roberts is wearing a shirt I own. (laughs) So I thought that was really cool. And it looked like Julia Roberts was having so much fun on that catwalk. Yeah. And do you realize what an incredible songwriter Joan is? She's amazing. Some of the songs she has written, if you just look at her work, she's written songs with so many amazing people and not only that but i guess she also marched with martin luther king that's cool yeah so a lot of the songs joan has written have been really popular some of them include diamonds and rust the night they drove old dixie down and she's also written farewell angelina love is a four-letter word we shall overcome She just has such an amazing history of writing songs, being involved with political movements. And not only that, but she wrote a really, really nice Facebook message about Taylor. She said, Taylor was kind, respectful, joyful, treated us like royalty, and captivated 50,000 people with her sincerity and songs. And she included a really cute photo of her with Taylor. Joan is one of Taylor's heroes. She said Julia Roberts is also one of her heroes. So it's just really exciting that she got to do this and that they were willing to come on stage 
Taylor just looked so happy to be with them. She really did. And then later that night, she sang Never Grow Up as the secret song, and she said that was the first time that she sang that song on tour, which I'm kind of sad I missed it. Me too. And how appropriate that we just talked about her tweet from 2010 when she was in her new apartment in Nashville, and then she sang Never Grow Up. It's just such a great and underrated song, for sure. It totally is. And she also mentioned her godson before she played it, because she said she met Jamie King's son, her godson, and just was reminded of this song and wanted to play it. Should Have Said No actually was a fan request the night before, so that was also exciting. And then Taylor had one last surprise for that show. She had another special guest, and it was... Little Mix, and they performed Black Magic. People were very, very excited about this, too. I actually like that she did two girl groups. Exactly. Like, right back to back. There was so much girl power. Girl power! Sorry, Spice Girls. Santa Clara had girl power, yeah. Maybe she'll have the Spice Girls. (laughs) Hey, we keep saying that. (laughs) They apparently are going on tour or something. That's what I hear. Can you imagine Taylor singing Wannabe? (laughs) That just brings me back to that video of her lip-seeking to the Spice Girls. Yes. I can see her doing the zig-a-zig-ah. Zig-a-zig-ah. They can dance together. Oh, that would be amazing. (laughs) Another cool thing that happened in Santa Clara was that David Karp, who is the founder of Tumblr, got to meet Taylor. And he wore a No, It's Becky t-shirt. So Taylor wrote underneath it, no, it's Taylor, and signed it. How much would you pay for that shirt? That would go for so much money. Not gonna lie. David Karp would never sell it. He has enough money since he founded Tumblr. But I just thought that was so cool. I really love that she was the one who was like, hey, I met David Karp, and he wore a No, It's Becky shirt. She was so excited. She was. Then he responded, I'm still wearing it. (laughs) Which was hilarious. I would never take that off. Dude, that would get framed. So our final piece of news is very exciting. Taylor did not attend the Teen Choice Awards, but even though she wasn't there, she still won four. As we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the older tweets, those four awards included Choice Twit, which is the award given for the best Twitter account, which obviously, as we mentioned earlier, Taylor has 62 million followers and she's an amazing Twitterer because she's always tweeting fun things and sassy things for us to enjoy. She won Choice Breakup Song for Bad Blood, which is interesting because it's not a breakup song at all. Definitely not. I guess it can be if you wanted it to. It could be if you wanted it to. And actually, this proves my point. A few weeks ago, I was saying how I'm so tired of Katy Perry complaining about this song because it's such a generalized song. It could be applied to any life situation. And this just proves my point. So if they want to give Taylor an award for it, great. I can't complain. She also won Choice Music Collaboration for Bad Blood, which is amazing. And then her fourth award was Choice Summer Music Star as the female music star. And of course, that is also well-deserved. She's selling out stadiums all over the place. 
So very exciting news from the Teen Choice Awards, even though Taylor was unable to attend. Congratulations, Taylor. Well, I think that is it for all our news this week. And now I'm going to go ahead and give you the upcoming schedule for the rest of August. August 17th and 18th, she's going to be in Glendale, Arizona at the Gila River Arena. August 21st, 22nd, 24th, 25th, and 26th, she's going to be in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. And then August 29th, she's going to be in San Diego, California at Petco Park. These are going to be really, really exciting dates. There's going to be so much going on this whole rest of the month. So many surprises. Then you have the VMAs on August 30th. And as we've mentioned before, Taylor's up for nine awards. Voting is already closed, but be sure to tune in for that. So the rest of August is going to be very busy for Taylor. I can't believe it's almost the end of August. Just about two more months left of touring in the U.S. (sighs) Ugh, crazy. Felt like we waited forever for this tour. Well, we will definitely be very excited to update you on all these shows that are coming up. Unfortunately, we won't be at LA. We'll get to hear how Ashley liked Arizona next week. And I'm just excited to see who the guests are. Me too. Next, we're going to go into some mini segments with Swifty Problems of the Week. Our first one is from Vinny on Twitter, and he said, When you see all these pictures of people meeting Taylor, and I'm here like, she doesn't even know I exist. Swifty Problems. Hey, Stephanie. I think a little over a year ago, I think I was saying that, and you were saying that. Yes, and we said that for a really, really long time, and then it finally happened and we will never, ever, ever forget it. So just keep hoping. It'll happen. Never give up. Never give up. It took, for me and Haley, we both became fans at the very beginning. It took us eight years until it happened. And it was worth it. It was the best experience ever. I will never get over it. So just don't worry. Just keep going. Keep swifting. Swift on. Our next one comes from Big and Sky 32 I can't remember some of my students' names, but I know every single Taylor Swift song ever. Swifty problems. (laughs) Sounds like she's a teacher. (laughs) Yes. Well, hopefully she will have some Swifty students. Their names will be easy to remember. Our next one is from Ashley, our host. She's so sad that she's not here because she's in Arizona to see Taylor that she tweeted us. And she said... When you own 1.5 million Taylor friendship greeting cards, but cannot actually bear to part with one to give to a friend, Swifty problems. Those greeting cards are pretty unique, and it's hard to give them up. Definitely. And our last one comes from Finally Swift, and they say, Taylor, I love your outfit choices, but do you really have to spend 60 plus on one item? Would love to get them. Swifty problems. I know that money problem way too well. (laughs) Well, speaking of Taylor's outfit choices, we're next going to go into some fashion updates for you. And actually, there are a few that are under $60 this week. So yay! Maybe finally Swift can get something. There are quite a few. Our first one is from August 14th, when Taylor was in Santa Clara during Loft 89. She wore a crop top and skirt combo it's by mink pink and it's called the sweetheart crop top and the sweetheart mini skirt 
The crop top is $49 and the mini skirt is $59. It's really cute too. Yeah, I like it. I do wish you could get the whole outfit for less than 60 like finally Swift mentioned, but still not terrible. Hey, you could probably just get the skirt and match that with a cheaper crop top and do a mix and match kind of thing. That's a good idea. Our next one comes from when her and Calvin were leaving the Giorgio Baldi restaurant in Santa Monica, and she was wearing a Elizabeth and James Aislings top, which is on sale right now for $138. It's normally $245. She wore that with the Urban Outfitters Flirt With Me seamed skirt in Sky, and that's $49, so that's affordable. And she was wearing her Charlotte Olympia cat face satin pumps, which are no longer available, but so cute. So cute. Then she wore her Charlotte Olympia feline leather shoulder bag, which is $811. Ugh, why does it have to be so expensive? That was the most expensive thing that she wore that night. (laughs) You can get similar cat bags, though, for way cheaper. Yeah, totally. And they're cute, too. On August 10th, Taylor was in Studio City going out for lunch with her friends, and she wore a Topshop lace corset-style crop top. And that's only $35, but unfortunately it's sold out right now. Then she wore her Prada peep-toe slingback sandals, which unfortunately are no longer available. She loves those shoes, though. Yeah, she wears those a lot, but I love them, too. They're Prada. How can you go wrong with that? Lastly, we have a crop top that she wore during the 1989 tour meet and greet in Charlotte on June 8th. It is torn by Ronnie Kobo, and it's a jacquard crop top. And it looks like there is one on eBay for $124.99. That's way more than $60 for a crop top. But torn by Ronnie Kobo is a good brand. It looks like this listing has ended, but... You could probably find similar ones on eBay. Keep searching. Well, as always, thank you to tastewithstyle.com for locating these outfits. You can visit her website to see pictures and links. And as mentioned earlier in the episode, we're going to go into our main discussion, which included Ashley, Nate, Adam, and me talking about Wildest Dreams as the new single As we mentioned last week on episode 119, this week our main discussion is all about Wildest Dreams. And when the album was released back in October, each episode we were doing song discussions for each song off the album, and this happened to be one that we just did not get to because Taylor's schedule became really crazy and we had so many things to cover with you guys that we didn't get a chance to talk about Wildest Dreams. So it's perfect now that it's a single that we can talk about it now. And Water Streams was written by Taylor, Max Martin, and Johan Schelbach. Wildest Dreams is kind of a good example of the way that my outlook on love has changed. Over the years, I think as you get more experience under your belt, as you become disappointed a few times, you start to kind of think of things in more realistic terms. It's not like you meet someone and that's it. You know, if, if they like you and you like them, well, it's going to be forever, of course. I don't really look at love like that anymore. I think the way I see love is 
kind of a little more fatalistic, which means to me that when I meet someone and we have a connection, the first thought I really have is, when this is over, I hope you think well of me. So this song is about having that immediate connection with someone, and these were my vivid thoughts right as I met him. So I just kind of want to flash back and ask you guys if you remember, I guess Nate would have a different answer, but just the first sort of things you heard about the song before you heard the song and then what your first impression was after you heard it. That was exactly what I was just about to ask. What was your very first impression of the song? Well, I remember just hearing little snippets here and there from people who went to the secret session. They couldn't really say much, but I just remember hearing it described as this song that was the most, I guess, overtly sexual song Taylor has ever had. Yeah. I heard the same thing. People were very protective and didn't disclose much, but I was intrigued. I don't know if I had heard a lot about the song before it came out, but on my first listen through 1989, I have to admit it wasn't one of my favorites. Uh, At the time, back when it was released, I would put it near the bottom of my favorites list. I actually felt the same way. Did you? I completely agree. Okay. Wow. All three, all three of you. I'm surprised. Well, we didn't all get yeah. a live debut in Taylor's living room, so. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Even still, Burn, though. Nate. Oh, oh. Shot through the heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nate, what was your first impression, and what was it like hearing it with everybody else and with Taylor? It was, I mean, like all the songs, everyone thought they were awesome. I thought they were awesome. For me, the most interesting part was when she was describing the songwriting process for the song. And she said, and I'm sure you guys know this already because I think it's out, but but the fact that she actually recorded her own heartbeat to uh, play in this song, I thought was like the coolest thing. So, I mean, that's what you hear when you when you listen to the track is that's her heartbeat in the background, So, which I thought was really cool. But anyway, as far as the actual song goes, I always thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. And then I would, I would listen to the other songs in the album and kind of those would get kind of pushed to my favorites and then and then it would pop back up and then i would just say oh my god this song is awesome all over again so so it's it's interesting to me that you guys are like like didn't care for it at all to start with no i wouldn't say didn't care for it at all it was just toward the bottom of my list and i think on earlier episodes when we talked about predictions for tour i said i was a little iffy on whether it would be included not as much as i was on things like all you had to do was stay and this love but i was thinking will it actually go on the set list i thought Mm -hmm. for sure that it would because of the fact that she played it on the piano when she had a fan over at her apartment i felt like she wouldn't have done that if it wasn't something she was working on right and that was around valentine's day and even though she played it on the piano at that time i still I don't know why I didn't put two and two together that it would be a piano song. In my head, Clean was going to be the piano song. A lot of the songs on the whole album, when I heard the names of them beforehand and when I heard just what Taylor said they were about or just like the teasers 
remember that she would post one picture each day with like a couple words from each song. So right. just based on that, there were a lot of songs that I expected to be one way that were completely the other. Like all you had to do was say I thought was going to be a slow, sad song. Yeah, me too. And while this dream seemed like a really upbeat, positive song. Right. And then it was kind of the opposite. Right. I agree. And before the album was out, back in September of 2014, Taylor interviewed with the Rolling Stone. And in the interview, when Taylor was talking about Wildest Dreams, she said, I think the way I used to approach relationships was very idealistic. I used to go into them thinking, maybe this is the one. We'll get married and have a family. This could be forever. Whereas now I go in thinking, how long do we have on the clock before something comes along and puts a wrench in it or your publicist calls and says this isn't a good idea? That's so interesting. I'm pretty sure if I had to guess, it was Harry Styles' publicist calling up in that situation. Well, it was before the album was released, so this gave us the most insight we had on the song. Even though in my head I was with Ashley, I thought the song sounded like it would be upbeat. Then I read this and was thinking, well, you know, I'm not really sure what it will be like. At any rate, I think it turned out awesome. I mean, I, I never would have expected it to be a single on this album. I really would not have. Absolutely not. It's a perfect choice. I, if you remember back during the Red Era, I always complained about how I thought All Too Well should have been released as a single. And people actually talked me down from it and said, look, it's like a fan song. It's such a special song. It shouldn't be a single. And I think for this album, Clean is like my all too well. I think it's just so well written. And I think it should be released as a single to show the world what a tremendous songwriter Taylor is. But I don't think we're going to get Clean as a single. But Wildest Dreams is the next best thing. I definitely think people are going to see a different side of her and the writing on this song is great. I agree with all of that. However, I'm already anticipating countless people coming up to me and saying, so who's Wildest Dreams about? Because <laughs> uh, that happens to me with every single song she's ever put out because, of course, I know these things. Hashtag Swifty Problems. For real, though. I was surprised I got a question the other day that was, they said, did you hear about Taylor and Miley feud? I'm like, how did you hear about that? I'm like, <laughs> it's not a feud. It was a one-sided attempt. Right. I know. That's what they said. I'm like, what? Did you hear that Taylor bought a castle and is getting married? <laughs> <laughs> she shot that one down. But no, I do agree that it is a good choice for a single um it's so different than the, the four singles that have come before it and i think that'll show the variety of 1989 and then kind of to wrap up our thoughts about how well the three of us didn't think it was our favorite song at, at the very beginning mm -hmm. um it has definitely grown on me and i'm so glad that it was included on the tour because the tour mashup yeah. with enchanted is just incredible Oh, it's insane. Seriously, it's awesome. Such a good idea to combine those. I was and... beyond shocked when I first heard about that. Well, we all were. It was four in the morning <laughs> and 
America. And... Yeah, and we were following along in Japan, and we were like, what? Am I seeing things? What <laughs> is going on? Am, am I still asleep? Yeah, it truly is the best thing ever. And now that Taylor's more active on Tumblr, I would really like somebody to ask her how she came up with that. How did the brilliant idea hit her to mash up these two songs? That is a great question that I hope we get the answer to. Well, she she addresses it in a way in the speech that she gives each night on tour when she talks about how there is lots of different types of things that she finds romantic. And mm-hmm. I really like what she says about how we have this moment right now and it's romantic looking out into this crowd and then it's going to be gone and it'll just be, a, I think she said, a sparkling memory. So maybe she was writing that speech and something about those terms that she was using to describe it sort of sparked her memory. Could be, but I also wonder if the mashup preceded the speech. Maybe one night she was just working on Love Story, recreating that, and then thought, oh, I was loved enchanted. What could I do with that? Because they really do go together besides just the sound Enchanted is about when you first meet somebody, and then Wildest Dreams is about basically the aftermath of a relationship. It's just brilliant. And I kind of hope that she releases, and I don't think this will happen, but it would be amazing if in conjunction with a single she released a live version that included Enchanted. Oh, that would be amazing. I think we'll have to wait for a tour CD, DVD, which better happen. It better happen this time. Taylor, I'm going to find you. I know where you live. <laughs> Speaking of the tour, I also find it so interesting the very unique shape of the piano that she has. It is. Oh, yeah. that It kind of reminds me. No, I don't, I don't even know because I'm awful with details and paying attention, but it kind of looks like a conch shell almost. Like It does. In the after the very first couple shows, she described it as her alien space piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did anybody see? There was just a new video released on the Xfinity behind the scenes thing. Yeah, I just saw that one. Yeah, and it talked oh. about how the piano was made, right? It did. Yeah. Steph, you might be able to jump in because I don't remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of it's some material that was like blown really hard and it created those waves. Isn't that correct? I think it was glass, maybe. I remember them saying they have to have it on wheels, too, because it's so heavy. They just wheel it to lift it up on stage. So if you guys have Xfinity, go check that out. I think it's one of the most, if not the most, magical parts of the show when she rises up onto the stage on that piano. It is, for sure, one of my absolute favorite parts of the show. You know what it reminds me of? Back to December, Speak Now Tour. Oh, that's Whoa. so true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And I think it's really a shame that we only typically get one song on the piano each tour. I know. Probably because it's so difficult to coordinate at the stage. What she should do is have the piano for a B stage. That's what she should do. Something like that. She at least has a keyboard now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I would rather give up, you know, one or two acoustic or keyboard songs and get more on the piano. Did you ever think you would say that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> At least it's for a good cause. The piano songs. I really thought clean would sound better on a piano than acoustic, but 
I absolutely love the way that's performed, so I don't know that I would switch it. And now in my head, when I play the album, I sing the live versions of these songs. Like, Wildest Dream and Clean are both different. Oh, me too. It's almost ruined the album for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is missing five repetitions of the verse. <laughs> Only Taylor could do that, because most people sound way worse live than they do on the album. I think one of my favorite things is, and I feel like we're talking so much more about the performance than the song itself, but there's just so much that's great. I love seeing all the side-by-side comparisons of Taylor on the piano during Red for All Too Well versus Now. Oh, yeah. Right, and I think that's why she really couldn't do Clean on the piano. Clean is more somber, but also more uplifting than All Too Well. But it's funny because the tone of Wildest Dreams is actually kind of depressing, but she makes it such a happy song. She's so happy when she's up there doing this She can't song. stop, like, literally, practically jumping up and down the whole time she's playing it. Yeah, like giggling. And her facial expressions during some of the lyrics, which we'll get into in a bit, are hilarious. I mean, even in Clean, when she's, you know, rotating around and looking out at the crowd, she's singing about painful experiences but she's just like beaming smiling exactly i think that that's really the best part of this tour is she's so happy that she just can't even contain it so before the album was released taylor also did some interviews as we mentioned we a clip we had earlier on in this discussion and she also interviewed with npr and i feel like she was really consistent in how she described the song But she said that when she was writing 1989, it was about looking back on a relationship and feeling a sense of pride, even though it didn't work out. And reminiscing about something that ended, but you still feel good about. And NPR asked if Wildest Dreams was an example of that. And she said, that's actually a really good example of the way I go into relationships now. If I meet someone who I feel I have a connection with, the first thought I have is, When this ends, I hope it ends well. I hope you remember me well. Which is not anything close to the way I used to think about relationships. It's that realization that it's the anomaly if something works out, it's not a given. And really, that just sums up the song so well. But we wanted to talk about the lyrics of the song, because they are just really very well-written lyrics. And as I mentioned before, I think this might help people to take Taylor more seriously. And that's the primary reason why I wanted her to release a song like All Too Well. I think people think she's just basic, quote unquote. (laughs) Like writing upbeat songs that are sort of repetitive or whatever. This song is just very different and the lyrics, I think, are some of her best. So first we'll mention that the hidden message for this song was He drove past her street each night, which is interesting, because another song references somebody driving past her street, and that would be I Wish You Would. So the song starts out about him saying, let's get out of the town, drive out of the city, away from the crowds. And it's, to me, that's always interesting because Taylor's whole theme of this album was New York, being in the city, and here she's got a song where she's going out of the city, sort of like to the country and you know she came from country music and went 
to New York. So that was interesting to me. I think it was kind of the idea of getting away from the paparazzi, getting away from the hustle and bustle of a big city um, so that it could just be the two of them out in a quiet place. Yeah, the paparazzi is a good point. And then she says in the lyrics, I thought heaven can't help me now. Nothing lasts forever, but this is going to take me down. And I think that's just kind of like what she said in her interviews. She knows she'll get attached and she just has a feeling it's not going to work out and it's going to take her down. And then Taylor says, he's so tall and handsome as hell. He's so bad, but he does it so well. I can see the end as it begins. As we mentioned earlier, Taylor doesn't usually swear in her songs. Sometimes she does. So she does here. I think it works really well. I don't think people should hate on her for saying a swear word in a song. <laughs> I hope not. She has a swear word. She has guns in the Bad Blood video. She's just <laughs> really going off the deep end. She's such a bad role model. Taylor, you're such a rebel. I think my first impression when I heard these lines, I think this is what, because as Ashley mentioned earlier, people want to know who is this song about? And so those lines, aside from the hidden message, really are kind of the only clue in this song about who it could possibly be written about. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I really like this song. It's very generic as to who it could be about. It could be about anybody, really. The only clue we really have is that whoever it's about is tall. And Taylor's tall. And how many people has she dated who are taller than her? So my first thought going backwards was, well, Harry Styles was obviously before Calvin. And from what I remember seeing pictures, he's not that tall, is he? No. He's kind of tall. He's, I mean, he's about six foot. But Taylor's tall. That's why it was confusing to me. Yeah, they seem to be about the same height. So I feel like putting that line in there would mean somebody that's taller than her. So I guess we have to look further back then. Yeah, I actually thought, and it took me a while to think of this, because I kept thinking about Harry, but Connor Kennedy is very tall. Like insanely tall. He's like 6'4 or something, isn't he? Yeah. And I could never see Taylor writing anything negative about him because their relationship just seemed to sort of end just because of the distance. It wasn't anything dramatic. And so I never could see her writing anything negative about him. And this song is just kind of a nice song. So I thought maybe him. But again, like I mentioned, the hidden message for this song reminds me of I Wish You Would. And I don't think that song is about Connor. So I don't know. In case anybody was wondering, Calvin Harris is six foot five. Well, see, that's the thing. The thing that's going to annoy me is when this is released as a single, there will be a million articles saying, this is a song about Calvin Harris. Yeah, there will be. <laughs> you know, the time frame is way off. Just right? like I Knew You Were Trouble is, oh, this song's about Harry Styles. <laughs> no, it was written before that even happened. Same with, this song was written before Taylor even met calvin so if anybody bothers you just tell them to go away because they just they just don't know what they're talking about it's very frustrating and really you should tell them the song 
doesn't give really any clues about who it could be about so just enjoy the song and go see it on tour you'll like it even more so then for the next lyrics it's of course the familiar say you'll remember me standing in a nice dress staring at the sunset babe red lips and rosy cheeks say you'll see me again even if it's just in your wildest dreams and I remember talking about this on an earlier episode, but last summer we had that Instagram photo where Taylor was standing in, I think it was Rhode Island, and it was just her back, and it was the sunset, and Ashley, you probably remember the caption. It was Summer, sundress, whatever. Sunset. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. That was the caption. Summer, sundress, sunset. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I never made that connection. That's interesting. It's a great photo. It's just her back, yeah, staring at the sunset. And then this might be a stretch, but going along with what Steph said about Connor Kennedy, I feel like in the pictures that I have seen um, when that was going on, I feel like they were often like outside or at the beach, and it feels like it was a perfect place to maybe write that, or you know, she was wearing. A dress and they were at the beach so maybe there was a sunset i just kind of saw that connection oh yeah that's a good point and she wore and she did wear a lot of nice dresses when they were together but these lyrics are interesting to me too because i mentioned in other episodes way back when the album was first released i said it, it seems like this album has a theme of a lot of red lips cheeks ghosts or in a lot of songs, and here she's got the red lips and the cheeks. Just She just kind of weaves specific words throughout several songs on this album. And the other thing is, the Wildest Dreams part, going back to Instagram, in the summer of 2013, I think it was probably the summer, when she performed with the Rolling Stones, she posted a photo of it and said something in the caption like never in my wildest dreams did i think this would happen and i've always wondered when this song was written in proximity to that and she never actually mentioned when she wrote this song that's something we don't know so somebody needs to ask her that on tumblr too that's cool i remember that because they were in chicago and i just looked up the tweet it was on june 4th 2013 she wrote on twitter Filing this under Never in My Wildest Dreams. Thank you, Rolling Stones, for inviting me to Chicago to sing with you. Well, obviously it's about Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. I just would like to know, did she write the song before then? Did Was that just a weird coincidence? I mean, it is nothing? a common phrase, and there is such a thing as overthinking it. Mm-hmm. There is. Cool connection, though, but we don't know if it was um, intended to be like that or not. Yeah, sometimes Taylor does things intentionally that seem like they are common phrases. I just like to know when the songs are written so that I have some frame of reference of what was going on at that time. But who knows if we'll ever know. So then here, this is where we get into the risque, Taylor's a bad role model stuff, I guess. So the next part is, I said, no one has to know what we do. His hands are in my hair, his clothes are in my room. And his voice is a familiar sound. Nothing lasts forever, but this is getting good now. And... That could mean anything. That lyric is yeah. is still pretty clean, though. It's pretty clean. But 
is it? <laughs> <laughs> she does wink on tour. She does. Closer in my room. Wink, wink. <laughs> I love that part when she does that. She gets so giggly. <laughs> and then her expression when she says, this is getting good now, is like, she like opens her eyes wide. She's like, this is getting really good. <laughs> She's like dancing while playing the piano the whole time. So, I don't know. I don't really think it's that bad when you compare it to what's actually on the radio right now. I don't know if when this is actually released to the radio, if she'll get any criticism for it. I hope not. I just don't really think it should be an issue, but people like to make an issue about everything with her. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I think the angle they would take would be. Well, first it's about Calvin Harris is going to be the angle. Already writing songs about him. <laughs> Let's forget the fact this was released literally a year before she was ever even seen with him. Because you are totally calling it, so I know it's going to happen. I'm sure it will be an article where she's wearing a crop top and skirt or something, and they'll say, Taylor shows some skin while she releases her new single, which includes the lyrics, that, and then they'll write these. I'm calling that. Yeah, her saying his closer in my room will be a huge scandal when... Other people literally don't wear clothes, and it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree that people definitely at this point have to give up the all her songs sound the same tirade. They have to. This song sounds so different than anything she's ever done. I mean, I guess you could kind of say that Shake It Off, Blank Space, and Bad Blood have things in common, though they're really different, but this is just a totally different category. So after this very risque, just terrible part of the song that she'll probably get blasted for, it goes back into the, he's so tall and handsome as hell, he's so bad, but he does it so well. And then she switches it to, and when we've had our very last kiss, my last request is, and then she goes back into the, say you'll remember me. And I like the transition there, where it goes to, I can see the end as it begins, and then here it's... When we've had our very last kiss, she's at the end now. Already, just after that one risque verse there, it's already at the end. Very last kiss. And then this next part is, especially during tour, my favorite part, probably. It's hard to pick a favorite part of this song live, but it's the, you see me in hindsight, tangled up with you all night, burning it down. Someday when you leave me, I bet these memories follow you around. And then that repeats. And again, I could see people making a big deal about this, but tangled up with you all night, burning it down, but it just, it doesn't really say much. So I don't think it should be a problem, but I can see it could be. I think it's just a very unique and well-written phrase, the combination of just all those things. It's very unique. And the way that she delivers that line live on tour is so powerful. Yep, that's why I said it might be my favorite part. She repeats it, what, like 25 times on this live yes, version? Yes, it is. It's glorious. And when she leaves the piano and then her skirt comes off. That will be the article, probably. <laughs> Which is so funny because that's the most covered up she is in the whole show. <laughs> yeah. It will be Taylor rips off her skirt as she sings. Tangled up with you all night. Her floor-length skirt over her full-body bodysuit. They come up with anything. I don't 
it's never based in reality at all. But one thing I've noticed since Taylor has written this, it seems like a lot of other artists are using the burning it down thing. I just hear it in songs. Jason Aldean had a song called Burning It Down, which was actually released a little before 1989. And I think they have absolutely nothing to do with each other. But I could see some people thinking, like, oh, did Taylor rip this off? But obviously, she's a successful woman. She must have ripped it off of somebody. Exactly. Like Jason Aldean, who probably had 15 writers write his song. So yeah, I don't know. I've noticed that other artists seem to use burning it down. It's a common phrase, but ever since Wildest Dreams was released, I've noticed it more and more. I like it. I think it just, this whole part of the song works so well together. So then the end of the song just goes back to the Say You'll Remember Me standing in a nice dress staring at the sunset and red lips and rosy cheeks and then there's a change where it says say you'll see me again even if it's just pretend and i love that part of the song because you can hear other things going on at the same time during that part of the song and i think she must change key or something but it just sounds so good yeah i agree right when everything's like going on at the end of the song there i don't think i know what that line really means say you'll see me again even if it's just pretend Whoever the guy is that she's writing the song, it would be his wildest dream of uh, of Taylor. So he'd be seeing her in his wildest dreams. Does that make sense? That's a good way to interpret it. It also kind of reminds me of sort of this Dirks Bentley song. It's called Say You Do. And it's the chorus of there is pretty much, even if you don't love me, couldn't you just say you do? That's kind of the idea I get here. She's trying to say, even if it's over, can't you just see me again and pretend that it's not? Gotcha. Makes sense. What were your initial thoughts about it? Um, I didn't really know. That's why I asked. I didn't really have an interpretation of it. And of course, then the end of the song goes back to say you remember me, standing in a nice dress, and just repeats. So I'm excited. I think this will have to get one great reviews two great airplay three a great video we mentioned last week i think adam mentioned joseph khan is tweeting about a new toothpaste commercial that he's working on so we're very hopeful that that actually means he's working on wildest dreams and taylor has been a little missing in action i think it's quite possible well the interesting thing is that had the style video not happened the way that it did, I really would have predicted something like that for this video. What was your prediction? I mean, I'm not sure, but I think if I hadn't seen the style video and I was just thinking about this one, I would imagine scenes on a beach and like photographic imagery and stuff like that. Yeah, last week on episode 119, I think, Ashley, you asked how we envisioned the video and I said well ever since somebody redid the style video and set it to Wilder's Dreams that's all I can think of so I really don't know well my point was that I think Taylor always makes a point to make every video very different from each other and especially now when these videos from 1989 are all shattering records and bad blood put her on such a high note to top I just have no, I honestly don't even know. I feel like 
she must know the people have really high expectations. And I think that's why Joseph Kahn probably is involved, because he has been able to top previous videos. So I think she realizes that it's important to work with him. And like Ashley, I have no idea what to expect, but I think it will be great. And I'm still hoping it will be premiered at the VMAs. I wonder if, and I'm not saying I necessarily want this for this video, but if Taylor would ever do something like, you know, in most of Ed's videos, he's not in the video. He has other people playing the characters. And I know they did that for Everything Has Changed, which I'm guessing was his influence. I wonder if she would ever do a full video like that where it was other characters acting out the song. Don't you think, though, that her videos get so many views because everybody wants to see her? Yes. <laughs> I, I love that Ed does that, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's different. I think everybody wants to see her. That's why they keep watching these videos over and over again. But it would be an interesting way to do this video. I mean, it's also possible that because all of the other ones have shattered so many records that she's not as concerned about necessarily topping it. But on the same side, I think she definitely wants this song to go to number one. All the singles have gone to number one except for Style. And so I think we've all mentioned the Style video was not the best of this era. And just not even just that, the whole promotion of the song was not what it could have been. Exactly. But I think having a very strong video that's going to get viewed a lot helps radio airplay, which will help it become number one. And the VMAs would be a great platform to kick that off. I agree. I definitely think it'll be out by then, whether they debut it on there or not. Has anyone heard it on the radio yet? Not yet. I have not either. Not technically, but with every other single, it was always played on the radio before the actual release date. It takes me like three weeks after it gets released for me to finally hear it on the radio. Oh, I've always heard it before. We should ask Tim and Carson mm -hmm. if they're playing it yet. They should be. Yes. I'm going to be very upset if they aren't. Yes, we hope to have them back on an episode soon. Our friends from I Heard That Was Good podcast. Hopefully they are already playing it on their radio station. You're right, though. I'm sure she does want it to go to number one, so the video would definitely help. And I truly don't know what she could do. And maybe that's why I didn't think it would be a single, because I wasn't sure what she would do for the music video. We know it's not a tour video, I'm happy about that, and I think she'll pull something off. She always tops herself, somehow. I, I predict that the video will have a lot more shots of just her singing than the others have. Because, yeah, Bad Blood and Blank Space are very much like acting videos. Right. But I think people for style had a problem with the fact that there wasn't really a story to it. So I don't know. We will see. So as soon as we hear anything about the video or an official release date, we will be sure to let you know about any news related to Wild Streams. Well, we hope that you are all as excited as we are to hear this single on the radio. I still haven't heard it yet. I can't wait. It's one of my favorites. Me too. I really just can't wait to see the video and to hear it on the radio and to see people realizing how amazing Taylor is and buying more albums. I think this is a perfect choice. So before we leave you, we have a few reminders. Please press the subscribe button on iTunes and then it will download the latest episode for you automatically. 
If you want to get in touch with us, there are several different ways. You can find us on Twitter at SwiftCast13. We're on Tumblr at SwiftCast13.tumblr.com. We're on Instagram at Instagram.com slash TheSwiftCast, Facebook.com slash TheSwiftCast. You can email us with anything at TheSwiftCast13 at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website at www.swiftcast13.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on our website. Unfortunately, iTunes only lists our last 100 episodes. So if you want to listen to older ones, definitely visit our website and check those out. So finally, next week, what do you think Taylor will do, Haley? I think she is going to... Play one, play our song for Ashley. <laughs> she would be so mad at you for saying that. She'll kill me. She'd kill me. No, I think she will bring a new element to the tour this for the rest of the tour. I think she'll do something different, add something. Well, one thing that she did in Santa Clara this past weekend is she continued to skip this love. I'm so bummed. I guess it's cut. It's the new stay, stay, stay. Oh, I hated when that happened. Ugh, it's so depressing. Especially for people who never got to see it. So maybe her new thing will be that she'll bring it back. That would be good. I think we can expect something huge this weekend. Because the LA shows, as we mentioned, are this week and next week. And the only Saturday date is August 22nd. So I think... The biggest show in LA will probably be that day because it's a Saturday. I think she's going to bring out Madonna. I really <laughs> do. And we talked before, we think that Kendrick is not available, but it would be amazing to see him. I think she's going to have so many good guests in LA this whole week and next week. And she's probably going to have multiple surprises. For example, for Style, Bad Blood special guest, and who knows what else. Oh, did you notice this week she started, I guess, adding fireworks during the B-Stage song? No, I missed that. Yeah, when she did Shoulda Said No and Never Grow Up, there were fireworks. So I don't know if that was just a fluke in Santa Clara or if she just is adding fireworks. Were they smaller fireworks? Uh, they looked like the regular fireworks you would see on the 4th of July in the background. So I don't think it was a fluke that there were fireworks. It must have been her setting them off, but that was sort of neat. I'm excited to see for other stadiums if she does that. That's another thing that Shania actually had a lot of, like, pyrotechnics and, and fireworks. And it was in an arena. It's doable. Yeah. She'll be in an arena for the next several dates with... Arizona and LA so I don't know I'm excited to see when she gets back to the stadium if, if she continues with the fireworks but whatever happens we will let you know you can expect our next episode to be huge because we will be talking all about the LA shows and Ashley will be telling us about her experience in Arizona so we look forward to seeing you next week on episode 121 but for now for episode 120 this has been Steph and Haley. And we will see you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace out, Swift Scouts.
Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.